following podcast is a Jill Divine Media production. It's not going to support ovulation, which is when we get that progesterone boost. It's only after ovulation. So it's all interconnected. And by understanding the phases of your cycle and understanding how your cycle works, in a way you can yourself tune into, okay, where am I having my most concerns? Where am I having my symptoms? Um, and where do I feel like I'm doing okay? And then what can I do to improve those areas? This episode of Two Kids and a Career is brought to you by Elemental Aesthetics. You can be guaranteed that your experience is going to be unique and customized to your specific needs. See how they can help you focus on natural beauty enhancements by visiting ElementalAesthetics.com. Hi there, and welcome to Two Kids in a Career. I'm Jill Devine. As an entrepreneur, wife, and mama, the daily grind of trying to build a business while taking care of kids and trying to maintain a healthy connection with my hubby, it's a lot. With this podcast, you're going to hear candid conversations with other moms, parenting experts who can share their knowledge and insight, or you'll just hear me rambling to get it all out. There's going to be tears, there's going to be laughter, but most importantly, there will be support. Take a listen and connect with me so we can grow and learn from one another. This is Two Kids and a Career. Welcome to episode 109. And this week's episode, the guest is not a stranger to this podcast, actually. She received a super mom shout out from me. So I want to read that. But first, let me introduce this week's guest because I have a tendency sometimes to go on and on and on. And I'm like, oh, wait, I never introduced them. So <laughs> Victoria Naveen, welcome to Two Kids and a Career. Thank you for having me. So let me read this Supermom shout out. If you are new to the Supermom shout out, this is just my opportunity to shout out moms and just let moms know how much they are valued, how much they are underestimated. And I started this back in season four, I believe. And so now it has turned into this beautiful community and support. And it's sponsored by Addie's Way. The Supermom Tote is given to Supermom recipients. But I nominated five amazing women, Victoria included. And so the five, Dorothy, Erica, Meg, Sarah, and Victoria. And I'm bringing this up because I just think that your story, the five of you, it's just so fascinating. So these five women met in September of 2019. And as I have explained in previous episodes, I now work for my church, which is Messiah. And I am the community groups coordinator. So I'm in charge of all these community groups. And you all met before I even took on this role, but you all met, didn't know each other. And through your time together, you experienced a lot of ups and downs. You all ended up getting pregnant <laughs> around the same time or within months of each other. And it was just kind of like, okay, God's timing. Here we go. This is exactly what needed to happen. And so that shout out was in episode 79. And now here we are talking about Victoria and talking about what you're doing. And it kind of goes hand in hand with that shout out in a way with um, the pregnancy and stuff. So am I correct in saying that out of all those ladies, they all have, well, you all have babies, but all of them have girls and you are the only one that has the boy? Yes, that is true. 
All right. Well, how old is he now and what's his name? He is four months old and his name is Beckett. Oh, love it. And the bond between you and these ladies continue. Talk to me about first your background growing up and then we'll transition into the work that you're doing and some other good stuff. Sure. Um, so I actually am a daughter of a Air Force um, veteran. And so I moved around a lot as a kid, but we were a very close family and um, we always just made sure our faith was central to our family core. Um, so I was raised Lutheran all my life and we moved to St. Louis because of my dad's job. Um, shortly after 9-11, some things changed and we found ourselves here in St. Louis. And that's where we found Messiah, which is now our church home. That's actually where I met my husband. So my husband is from a small town in Nebraska and he came to St. Louis for a job and doing so he found Messiah as his church home. And that's actually where we met was through a Bible study group at Messiah. God's hand was definitely in that, just bringing, you know, me from other states to to find my home in St. Louis and then him from Nebraska and bringing him to St. Louis. And that's actually where we met. Ah, oh, that's so awesome. Gave me chills. Okay, so you guys meet and then tell me how the love story plays out. Um, so we met in the Bible study group, like I said, and um, well, actually we met at church. We met on Easter Sunday and a mutual friend introduced us. Um, they were sitting in front of us, including my husband. His name is Brandon. They were sitting in front of us, and after the service, they turned around and introduced themselves to us and my family. And I met Brandon for the first time and never really saw him again, but I did see him in church occasionally, and I always thought it was so amazing to see a single grown man sitting in church by himself. Um, that was so foreign to me. And, you know, come, I was in college at the time. And so for me, it was so strange to see somebody who had a relationship with God that was strong enough to make them want to go to church and learn more on their own and to, to foster that relationship with God. Um, and I just remember being very intrigued. And I laugh now because I, I remember seeing him at the side, at, on the side at church and thinking like, I can't date this person because if I do, I will never stop dating him and I'll probably end up marrying him. <laughs> oh. And I just felt like that was God saying like, that's going to be your husband. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love this. Uh, but I was young. I was in college, like I said. And so that's why I was like, I can't date him because I'm too young to get married and I need to avoid this person at all costs. Um, well, that did not happen because I, again, the mutual friend invited me to go to a Bible study group that was held that summer. So I was home from college, went to this Bible study group, um, and lo and behold, he was at this Bible study group. <laughs> um, and so, of course. of course, right? God's timing. And through that Bible study, we became friends. Um, we did game nights and volunteer events, which, you know, volunteering was really important to the both of us. So being able to connect on that level was really great. Um, and then also just being able to do Bible studies together and have those discussions, not just on a personal level, but also a spiritual level and, and seeing where we were both at with our faith, I think drew us closer. And so that's kind of how our relationship grew. And 
he asked me on our first date um, on Halloween um, of that year. And so we went to a blues game um, and that was our first date. And we laugh about it now as well, because that night he asked me if I wanted to go out on a second date. And I said, yes, um, because we had a great time. And later that year in December, he tells me that his family was very excited that he has a girlfriend. Um, And I was like, what? (laughs) I did not know that um, accepting a second date was also accepting to be his girlfriend. But again, I think God was like, this is meant to be, you guys have to have to be together. So, you know, we continued to date and then we got engaged and we will celebrate um, five years of marriage this coming September. So we just celebrate our fourth year anniversary. I love, love those. I, I just love hearing the different stories of how people met. And then when you go back, like in hindsight and think about the different placement and stuff, it really is cool. And and you bring something up that is very, very important that a grown man who wants to explore his faith and is showing up by himself, that is a, a really big deal. It was something that took me by surprise and actually drew me to him because that was something I always knew I wanted in a husband was somebody who would be the spiritual leader of our family, someone who took that initiative and was like, you know, I want our faith to be number one. Um, and I want our relationship with God to be to be first in our relationship and our marriage and eventually our family. And so that's really what drew me to him for sure. So in college, what did you study? What did you want to be when you grew up? Actually, I went <laughs> um, into college hoping to become a, a physician. So I was pre-med, um, but I switched my degree to medical dietetics um, to become a registered dietitian instead. And that is exactly what you are, correct? Yes. All right. So setting all of this up when we talk about the faith and we talk about just the bond that you have with Brandon and the bond that you have with these women that I mentioned earlier that were part of the Supermom Shoutout and your community group. Would you say all of that has led to the small business that you have created and now are showcasing? Absolutely. Um, I started my private practice in actually the February of 2020, which, as we all know, is not the best <laughs> year. Um, no, not at all. And I was also working two clinical jobs at the same time. Um, and I actually had a patient who encouraged me to start a private practice and really wasn't in my plan. Um, it was kind of a five or 10 year goal for me and not, you know, a a three year goal. So this patient really encouraged me to start a private practice. And so I explored that and I did decide to start a private practice on my own. Um, I still kept my other two positions and also was in school to get my master's degree. So there was definitely a lot on my plate at the time. Um, I'm, along with 2020, we could just add that (laughs) on there. Um, That was definitely a trying time and starting a business and also, you know, working two jobs and being a student and a wife was really hard. Um, And that's where leaning on Brandon to be able to get through that and have him be my biggest cheerleader to 
pursue my dream essentially of having a private practice. He always knew that I wanted to work with, you know, certain types of patients or certain um, conditions and be able to um, help other women. So women's health is definitely a passion of mine. And he knew I always wanted to do that. So he full heartedly supported me in that kind of leap of faith. And um, I eventually left my other two positions to solely focus on my private practice through that having having a support network even more than just family because obviously my family was a huge support but also of friends so in the community group we had met them shortly prior to starting my private practice so at the end of 2019 that was also helpful too because when you work for yourself um you know you're a, a business of one and it can be lonely and it can be uh isolating and so i'm used to having an office full of people and finding other ways of communicating and connecting with other women and other, you know, people of faith was really important to me and Brandon. And so we reached out to, to Messiah about the community groups and it was a perfect timing because as I started my private practice, I felt like I still had friends, you know, that I could meet with, you know, multiple times a month and share what's going on in my life and not feel so isolated. So your small business that is your private practice, it's called VN Nutrition, correct? Yes. All right. So you actually specialize in women's health and fertility. Mm -hmm. And I want to definitely dive into that. But one of the things that I wanted to bring up first was you had told me that you help restore uh, women's cycles you help improve PMS, you optimize their fertility. And one of the things that I had told you a number of years ago, I was listening to a podcast and the guest was like a period specialist. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I, I don't know what it was that made me want to listen to this because honestly, at first I was like, this is icky to me. I don't know why. I just thought, who wants to listen to someone talk about their period? And this woman was so captivating to me and made me realize that I didn't even have a clue about my own body. Like I did not realize that there are certain things at certain times and certain ways and certain things just that explained so much to me. Like I was sitting there listening to this going, okay, well, that makes sense. That makes sense why this is happening to me this time or not this time. And I really like just at first was kind of like, why are you, why I was beating myself up a little bit. Like, why were you considering this to be icky? Like this is women's health. It should be embraced. I do not think it's talked about enough. I do not think that our young girls are taught enough. I think that it is still kind of risque. And I think that's so dumb. But it just, I mean, I'm proof of that, right? Right when I was listening to that podcast. So I really wanted to kind of dig into that with you and talk to you about that and how you feel about that. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that Growing up, the most exposure we get to that is in health class, and it 
is pretty short and they kind of just tell you like, hey, this is going to happen and good luck. Um, And I don't think they go into as much detail as needed. And I'm sure that's, you know, part of it, they probably, you know, want those conversations to happen in the homes. And I also think that's important. But if moms aren't equipped with that knowledge, how are they supposed to teach their daughters, right? Exactly. I think that it does need to be talked about more. Um, There's a term coined um, by a well-known author, and that is that the period is a fifth vital sign. Um, And it's trying to be adopted in the healthcare system where we're asking girls about their periods and we're asking them about their health on a different level. Because if someone does not have a period for X amount of time, that's a big indicator. That's a red flag that there's something going on in the body that is telling the body, hey, we need to shut this process down. Something that is vital to health and actually a sign of health and a sign of fertility, if that's being shut down, we need to find out why and not just brush it off. Um, But if we don't have those conversations, we won't know that that's a red flag. We just think it's normal or we just think that you know, maybe it's just a a phase or maybe I'm lucky because I don't have to worry about it every month, you know? So having those conversations is really important. Um, and we need to be able to ask those questions to girls because they don't know that it's not normal. Just because something is common doesn't make it normal. Would you say that this is something that you would talk to your OB about or a specialist like you? Like, when do you start having those conversations? I have two young girls and I know that there are going to be uncomfortable conversations, but I, yes, it starts at home. I want to be able to answer them as well. But if at any point they feel like, okay, I don't really want to talk to mom about this, or I'm not equipped to answer the questions. It's like, where do you send them? Where, Mm -hmm. where do you, tell them to go. What do you do? Um, You can obviously talk to an OBGYN about it. Um, I would suggest that they um, are a good resource because that is their knowledge base. I do caution people though. um, It is a unfortunate misconception that say a young girl is missing her cycle, that certain medications for example, hormonal birth control, um, will bring the cycle back. And that's actually a a myth. And so for a lot of women, and I see this happen all the time, their physicians put them on birth control because of these symptoms. Or it doesn't even have to be a missing cycle. It could just be like PMS, or it could be other symptoms that they're experiencing around their cycles that they put them on hormonal birth control in order to purely mitigate those symptoms. And that's really not a fix. If anything, it's a, a kind of a Band-Aid or a, a mask for these symptoms because speaking specifically to hormonal birth control, what that does is it actually suppresses ovulation. So it suppresses your cycle. So of course, you're not going to have symptoms if you're not actually having true cycles. The, the bleeding that people experience is what we call a breakthrough bleed. Um, and so it's actually just a withdrawal from the synthetic hormones that are in the birth control, not an actual period. And even having that, I can't tell you how many times I've asked a young girl, like, okay, are your cycles regular or irregular? And they say, oh, they're regular every month, same time. I'm on, I'm on the pill. And it's like, okay, we need to take a step back and say, actually, 
those aren't real cycles. So yes, on the on this medication, you know, you might be having what feels like regularity, but it's actually just breakthrough bleeds. And even just having that conversation of how they word it, of saying instead of I'm having a cycle or a period every month, you could say I'm having a breakthrough bleed every month because of this medication, but I'm not having cycles. And women don't know that. They don't realize that distinction. And so that is something I do caution people with because it is just a common um, treatment plan for a lot of symptoms is is hormonal birth control. And I just, you know, feel like that is just a, a Band-Aid to a more deeper issue that could be addressed from a different standpoint. And even going beyond just the young girls, something that even I am just, and, and I don't even think that I know fully, but I have done some research on this or I had talked to someone not too long ago about it, but even the color of that blood during your cycle, like you might notice one month it could be redder or it could be darker. And I honestly, I can't remember exactly what this woman told me, but that also indicates something, correct? Uh, yeah. So there definitely can be different colors. Um, there's a lot of variations to the cycle. And one of the biggest things that I talk with women about is tracking because most women, they don't even know what their last period was like or how long it was or how long their cycle was or symptoms that they had. We just kind of have this, um, belief that we just have to deal with it and we just have to deal with what comes. Doesn't matter how heavy it is. Doesn't matter the color. Doesn't matter what symptoms I have. It's normal. And it's just part of being a woman. Um, and that's really not true. A lot of the symptoms and changes that we see are, like I said, a sign of health. Um, the most common one that I actually see is cycle length. That is, I get questions about it day after day. And that is, you know, why is my cycle coming on different days of the month? Or why did I skip a month? And without having those conversations of what's normal and what's not, these same women come back later and say, I can't get pregnant. Why can't I get pregnant? And mm. it's like, well, we need to go back to the foundation of what are your cycles like? Do you know anything about your cycle? Have you connected to yourself and your body on that level or have we not? Because if we don't, it's really hard to to know whether you're fertile or not and or timing and where your fertile window is and all of that without even paying attention to our bodies. Okay. Well, then let's go ahead and go there for right now because I want to come back to what you were saying about that a lot of times most women, yes, I think definitely the majority of women are just like, this is what I have to deal with. This is what I have to do. This is what I have to go through. And I'll tell you what, I don't like dealing with it and anything I can do to help improve it, I will. So I definitely want to talk about improving PMS, but let's first talk about fertility. Now, I know you struggled. Do you want to talk a little bit about that or would you rather not? No, that's totally fine. Um, yeah, so my husband and I, we decided that we wanted to try for a baby. Um, and I think it's a, a common thought that oh, it only will take one time, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yep. we just expect it'll happen on our timing and we can time everything the way we want and say, I want kids at this point and this is when they'll be born and this is when the next one will be born and it just does not work that way. Um, 
And instead, we we struggled for almost a year. Um, and I fully recognize that there are women who have struggled much, much longer um, and even less time. Um, but I also know that every negative task that you get, it hurts. And mm-hmm. even if it's the first, I everyone that I've talked to, they said, even the first one they took, they really thought it would be positive and it wasn't. Um, and it, it can be disheartening and it can be um, scary and it can be unsettling when you feel like, okay, maybe this isn't going to happen like I thought. Um, I was told when I was younger in high school that I would probably have troubles having kids and that there's a chance I would not be able to, or at least not with medical help. Um, I at one point went without a cycle for a year and a half. Um, And as we talked about, that's a red flag, a really big red flag. Um, And when I got those negative tests, it just felt like it was pretty much confirming what I had been told way back when. And that started to plant seeds of doubt in my mind that maybe I'm not going to be able to get pregnant. Maybe I won't be able to be a mom or have children. Um, and that was kind of scary because it was, it was a dream of mine to be a mom. And when you're actually in that moment and reality starts to hit that this isn't going to be easy, you know, your, your mind starts wandering and thinking like the worst case scenario So we ended up trying for almost a year. And throughout that process, um, I actually had a friend who was also trying for quite some time. And she found a 60-day devotional book um, called In Due Time. And she sent the copy to me. And it was very sweet. She wrote a little note in the inside cover. Um, and she ended up conceiving as well with her daughter. Um, so she passed on the book to me and my husband and I made it a point to just give it up to God and to go through this devotion, um, and just trust in God's timing. The devotion was really helpful because it was centered around, um, they call it time in the waiting and, we were waiting. We didn't know when it was going to happen and we didn't know how long it was going to take. And so we were trying to remind ourselves to come back to God's timing and God's will. And this will happen if it's his will for us. And if so, in his time. Um, And so we went through that book. I think it was very helpful and it just, it grounded us, you know, and it reminded us that we're not in control and there's so much that we can do. So from my background, I knew what I could do to help my body get ready. And I knew what I could do to optimize my chances and to make my body um, as nourished as possible. But in the end, you could do everything right and it's still going to be God's timing. And so that just added that element to, to the process for us that I think was key because it took the pressure off of us and said, you know what, we're going to let go of this control. We're going to let go of this pressure and just give it up to God. Um, And so I was able to then write a little note in that book um, after we conceived and share it with another woman who is trying to conceive as well and just pass on that encouragement and pass on um, that hope. So I think that throughout that process, 
just seeing every negative test, I know what that feels like. And it doesn't matter how many you see, it it never gets easier by any means. If anything, I feel like it gets harder. Um, and so I know when women come to me and they're struggling with fertility that I can relate and I can empathize with the emotions that come around that time. Um, and so not only do I help them nourish their bodies and balance their hormones so that they can conceive naturally, but I also um, I use that whole body approach in my practice that I learned going through it myself, where you're not just looking at labs on a piece of paper. You're looking at the whole body. You're looking at the whole woman um, and making sure we're not missing any crucial elements that are needed to have a healthy body and to be fertile and to carry a healthy baby. And so that whole body approach, I combine that with a faith-based foundation, even in my practice. And so any um, woman or couple that come to me with fertility concerns, um, I actually give them a devotion book to go through while working with me, because I think that it's not just I mean, it's very much nutrition and lifestyle, um, but it's also about mindset and faith and that spiritual element. So I actually combine that with the other work that I do so that they can address anything that is coming up throughout that process because it's not just a physical concern. It's also an emotional concern and it's a, a mental block um, when you're going through trying to conceive. I want to hit pause on this week's conversation to talk to you about one of the sponsors of the podcast, Elemental Aesthetics. And I think it was last year sometime, one of my best friends said that she had gotten a facial for the very first time ever. And I just couldn't believe it. I was like, you have been missing out. So there's a reason why you get facials. Yes, you want to relax, but there's a reason behind the different options you have. And that is to help with clogged pores, help with acne, help with wrinkles, help with maybe some sun damage. There are so many things that go behind it. And I just don't think enough women realize like that's what a really great facial is all about. I bring this up because... It is still hard for me at the age of 45 to talk about my face. I suffered acne as a teenager. I was on every single possible gel, ointment, pill, everything, and had to end up going on Accutane. And it did wonders for me, but I still see some damage and I still have clogged pores. It's just something that I, I can't get rid of. Um, and it's not like I don't try. I mean, I have a pretty strict cleansing routine and I just still suffer from some of these things. But that's where Jennifer and the wonderful team at Elemental Aesthetics come in and they say, hey, it's okay. We're going to help you and we are going to bring out that confidence within you. I just had this most amazing facial that used this laser. It's hard for me to explain it because I don't do it justice like Jennifer does, but it helps with the clogged pores and it helps get rid of those blackheads and helps prevent them from coming back. I encourage you to take care of your face and treat it the way it should be treated and visit my wonderful friends at Elemental Aesthetics. You can learn more at ElementalAesthetics.com. Again, ElementalAesthetics.com. Com. Let's get back into this week's conversation. For me, it sounds like, and I've been talking about this a lot lately, just 
adding another tool to your toolbox. It doesn't mm-hmm. ever hurt to just have all the tools handy and all the tools ready. And while you are definitely looking at the physical side and and like you said, all of those things, pair that up with having faith, it just, I don't know, it seems like a very win-win situation. I like to tell my patients that it's 50% mom, it's 50% dad, but it's 100% in God's timing. And so it, it is very important. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything when I say that sometimes it is very disheartening when you don't get pregnant. And I'm sure you have had clients that have experienced that and they have thrown their hands up to God and they're like, well, I don't understand. Uh, I I think that, you know, I trust you and then this doesn't happen. And oh my gosh, that is so hard to understand and so hard to deal with. But eventually, and (laughs) you would you would see it. You would see why. You will know why. You just you just got to trust. Absolutely. And our community group, I think that that timed out really well because between January and December, all five babies were born within the same calendar year. Um, and we had been trying much longer prior to uh, conceiving. And so we literally got pregnant right at the same time that everyone else did. And all the babies were, you know, about 10 weeks to 12 weeks apart. Um, And it was just, you know, looking back, it's like, wow, God said, Hey, let's wait because we need everyone to be on the same journey together because this is going to bring you closer. And this is going to connect you in a way that, you know, you never would have dreamed about. And it, it all worked out for the best. Um, and yeah, looking back, it, it is a really cool story to think that, you know, all five of us who knew that that would have happened, only God did. <laughs> right. It gives me, ch- like, when you were just talking about it, it still gives me chills. It's just like, w- <laughs> you just have to trust. And then you all are there for one another to journey to experience this journey through motherhood because it is not easy. And so when you're with someone that is in the thick of it with you, it is so nice to have. And it's also nice to have people a season ahead of you or two seasons ahead of you. But when you can have someone that you can sit there and text right away and be like, okay, this is happening. How are you handling it? This is how I'm handling it. Or do you have advice just to have that community? It is so amazing. Absolutely. And that was also a big piece for us is while we were trying, um, we had quite a bit of people even outside of the community group who were all pregnant around us. um, And almost everyone that we were friends with who were pregnant, they all got pregnant within one to three months of trying. And we felt that we were that odd couple out and we didn't know what was wrong. And we're like, what water are you guys drinking? And we just were so confused (laughs) as to why is it that everyone is able to get pregnant so easily and everyone is has this blessing of a baby coming and we've been trying for so long and it's still not still not happening. And 
it it really changed the game for us when we were able to share that with our community group at one of our Bible studies um, during like prayer requests and be able to open up and for the first time other than family tell them you know we've been struggling and this is what we've been what we've been going through and how we've been feeling about it and we would just really appreciate prayers and just you know your thoughts and just helping support us as we go through this journey it felt like a weight came off of us because just like women's health I don't think um, trying to conceive is something people talk about and it's very personal and I and I totally understand that and not everyone wants to share that but when it gets to the point where you're struggling it's amazing the weight that is lifted when you can share that with somebody who's either going through the same thing or at least somebody that you can confide in who you feel can offer that prayer and offer that support because it is a tough journey to go through. And um, when it's just you and your spouse, you know, it's an emotional thing to go through in your marriage. And if you can have those external supports, it just, it makes all the difference. And they were very supportive and they were very, um, kind and and just wrapped their arms around us and it just kept us in their prayers and constantly hoped with us um and then we were able to share the the first ultrasound picture with them and it was so fun and exciting to hear that we were able to join in you know and as all five of us were able to do that together i mean you could just see the awe on everyone's faces like oh my gosh this is a, a god thing that we're all pregnant now and this is so crazy to think after after everything we've all been through and we all had different journeys to get pregnant. We all had different pregnancies and different deliveries. And it's just so cool to have those stories all in one community group and one group of women that we can share that with. And like you said, be those on-call moms that we can (laughs) ask questions and advice because we're at, we are at different stages um, with, with our babies and yeah, it's like a built-in support network. (laughs) Totally. Well, before we wrap up, I do want to tackle the PMS side of things because for someone like me who knows that we will not be having any more babies, um, (laughs) I have really been trying to listen to my body and figure out, okay, I know that at this point, and again, this goes back to what I was talking about earlier with listening to that period specialist when She was talking about, okay, if you notice right around this time, you might be getting a little irritable, cranky, because listen, when you hear PMS, you automatically think cranky, uh, just mean, stay away. And it's not just that. There are so many different layers that are happening in these hormones. And so I've been trying to take note of that because I don't like the person that I can become or the mental thoughts that go into my head. And, and then I'll realize, okay, here's where I am in my cycle. So would you be able to tackle that a little bit? Um, just so we kind of understand how that works. Yeah. So it's very different person to person, um, what symptoms that they have around their cycles, but a big part of it is the fluctuations in hormones. This is, I think the body is so beautiful and complex, but we're very different than men. Men's hormones are stable all the time. They don't have these ebbs and flows um, that women have to deal with, right? And 
instead of resenting those abs and flows, like you said, instead of embracing it and realizing there are going to be different phases in my cycle that I'm going to feel different. When you look at the hormone fluctuations as you get closer to having your period, estrogen is is on the rise. And estrogen does a lot of things. Um, but for some women, their estrogen is much higher than their progesterone, or it's just high in general. Um, and so that can lead to certain symptoms that aren't quote unquote normal. Um, they're common, but they're not normal. And so we really like to look at what symptoms are being presented and then what hormones correlate with that and how can we um, calm the system down in a natural way using nutrition and lifestyle um, versus, like I said, using a medical approach where it just shuts everything off. And so, for example, really heavy flows or really intense cramping is one that I I hear about a lot. Um, Mood fluctuations are another one that I hear a lot. Um, Those can all be related to either an imbalance in estrogen and progesterone, or it can be related to um, nutrient deficiencies. And again, it's hard to, to just blanket, say this is what fixes it all because it's so different person to person. Um, but to give some examples in nutrition, hormones and the gut are very much correlated. And so when we have extra or excess of hormones, we actually get rid of it through the GI tract and through, um, having bowel movements. And so if we're not having good gut health or regular bowel movements, they get pretty much recirculated and they're still there to do their work. And that can cause issues because our body was made to get rid of excess and now we're not. It also involves the liver and um, how certain estrogens are metabolized, goes through the liver and methylation and all these fancy things. Um, (laughs) uh, And if if the liver is not in a good standing, um, for example, alcohol is a big one. that can affect your estrogen levels. That can also affect your symptoms. Nutrient deficiencies. So if we're not eating um, whole foods, we're not getting lots of fiber in or hydration, um, that can also impact how our cycles are. Um, Some big nutrients that I see that people really do well with with PMS are magnesium and vitamin B6. Uh Um, And so depending on what symptoms we're having, headaches, for example, are another one certain nutrients can actually help with that because it could be a sign of a deficiency. Same with mood um, and anxiety, things like that. Progesterone's the calming hormone. And so if we're either not ovulating at all or we don't have enough progesterone in the second half of our cycle, we are more likely to have these type of symptoms where we get anxious, we feel um, we're not sleeping well, things like that. Things that a calming hormone would help with, take that away, and we're going to start to have these symptoms. We call it finding the root cause um, is the basis for functional medicine and functional nutrition. So while I am a registered dietitian, I am technically a functional medicine dietitian. We focus on finding that root cause um, because it does matter. And what happens is those symptoms go away for the long term and not temporarily. And so I like to work with patients with PMS on their gut health, making sure they're getting the right nutrients in, fiber, hydration, 
good bowel habits, supporting their microbiome. Um, there's things in the microbiome that can actually, um, if you think of estrogen as being in like a present, um, there's certain enzymes and bacteria and all of that that actually untie the bow and it gets recirculated instead of packaged and exit the body. So we're looking at gut health. We're working on that. Um, when it comes to, like I said, liver support, making sure we're eating good foods that actually support the liver. Um, some examples of that would be like cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, things like that. Um, those all are good for the liver. Working on supporting that second half of the cycle, progesterone. So making sure we're getting good healthy fats in, making sure we're eating enough. Um, honestly, a lot of things I see too are people aren't eating enough carbohydrates. I know that's taboo to say um, that carbs are bad, but it really they're not. And it's about the types and how much and, and all of that. But we forget that women actually need carbohydrates to, to have healthy cycles. Without a healthy amount of carbohydrate, our bodies actually feel that they're in a famine. And if we're not eating enough and we're not eating enough carbs, it goes into starvation mode. So it's going to shut down certain processes. Um, and it's not going to support ovulation, which is when we get that progesterone boost. It's only after ovulation. So it's all interconnected. And by understanding the phases of your cycle and understanding how your cycle works, in a way you can yourself tune into, okay, where am I having my most concerns? Where am I having my symptoms? Um, and where do I feel like I'm doing okay? And then what can I do to improve those areas? Would it be smart to just have like a, a cycle journal just to have uh, something next to your bed at night or wherever and just keep track of how your body is every day for like a month or two or just around cycle time, how would you feel about something like that? Yeah. So I highly encourage girls and women to learn their cycles and track. Um, there's different methods of tracking and it's very insightful because you can have different cycle lengths. Going back to ovulation, if you had a stressful month or you traveled or you were extremely sick or something was off, you can actually delay your ovulation, which means your period will come at a different time. And for somebody who is either trying to prevent pregnancy or to get pregnant, having that knowledge is very empowering because they know what their body is doing. And so having um, a journal or um, some people use a, a phone app or there's different devices that you can use that um, track your cycle, but then sync to your phone. Ways of tracking your cycle are taking your basal body temperature, or you can also, um, I guess the two common ones are tracking basal body temperature and then also looking for cervical mucus or cervical fluid. And I know everyone's probably like, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> I um, actually learned about that okay. when I was trying to conceive with our second. And it was something that uh, my doctor and I really talked about. And yeah, I mean, I understand. Is that like when you're the most fertile or am I getting that wrong? Nope, that's um, it. That is correct. So as you're nearing ovulation, your cervical mucus will change from dry 
to sticky to creamy to what looks like egg whites. When you're in that egg white stage, um, it's the clearest um, and it's the most stretchy and it's the most lubricative, which what it, again, God designed the body in an amazing way. What it does is it actually protects the sperm so that it can live to survive and actually fertilize an egg. And so as you're gearing towards ovulation and you're getting closer and closer, it changes to be more optimal for helping sperm survive. Okay. And so when you track that, that helps a woman know I'm getting close to ovulation. On the flip side, when you track basal body temperature, so progesterone after your after you ovulate, you get a boost of progesterone and that also increases your body temperature. So if you're tracking your temperature every morning and you see a spike that is sustained, then you can confirm that you ovulated. So what it looks like is tracking your cycle, cervical mucus will tell you you're about to, and then the basal body temperature tells you you have. And so by having a journal or an app that syncs these two together, you can start to see patterns if you do have regular cycles, which is always the goal. Um, But if you don't have regular cycles, then you can still optimize your chances of conceiving or not um, based on just knowing what your body is doing that month. Um, For a lot of women, they think, because that's what we're told in health class, everyone ovulates on day 14. That is 100% not true. Most women actually don't ovulate on day 14. That's assuming you have a 28-day cycle, and that is from day one of bleeding to your next day one of bleeding. Most women don't have that 28-day cycle where you're ovulating on day 14. And so if you don't know that, you might be trying to conceive and timing it with day 14, but if you're ovulating on day 20, you've missed your window completely. And if you're doing that for six, eight months to a year, those are all missed opportunities. And just even learning that can be life-changing for people because they did not know they've been trying on day 14. So that is something that I, I highly suggest for people is to track your cycle. And you could take it a step further and and track symptoms with, say, PMS, if that's something that is a concern. When am I getting these, these um, symptoms? You know, where are they at in my cycle? Is it first half? Is it during my period? Um, you know, all of that can be helpful too. And understand your cycle length. If you ovulate and the second half of your cycle, which is what's called the, the luteal phase, is short, it should be 10 days or longer. If it's less than that, that's actually a sign of not enough progesterone. And if you don't have enough progesterone, you can't sustain a pregnancy. And so looking at that cycle length, is a big component of that. Looking at the cycle length for timing ovulation, if it's more than 35-day cycle, then we're ovulating really late and we need to get that number down uh, because there's a, there's something going on in the body that's telling your body, hey, we don't want to ovulate. We don't want to bring a baby in this world. We're stressed out. It could be life stress. It could be family stress. It could be under eating. It's a big one, not eating enough carbohydrates. It could be over-exercising. Um, it could be really poor sleep. It could be a combination of everything. It could be, you know, hidden infections that are stressing out the body internally. It could be an imbalance in hormones because of all of the environmental things that we are surrounded by that are what's called endocrine disruptors, kind of make our, our hormones go out of balance just because our skins are organs and we're absorbing things and we're breathing in things that are 
changing our hormones. And all of that information, I know it sounds like a lot and it's like this crazy spider web, but the first thing to start with is tracking your cycle because that's you, you know, like you, you don't want to just go off of what the internet says or a book says as to what your cycles are supposed to be. Learn yourself first and then you can see if there needs to be any modifications or changes. There are a couple of things that need to happen. And one is we need to get these girls, middle school age girls, we need those girls to be educated. That's a whole nother podcast (laughs) episode. That's a whole nother thing that Mm -hmm. we need to tackle. But the other thing before we wrap up that I wanted to say was it can feel very overwhelming and a lot of this is a lot. And don't think that you have to do this alone. There's people like Victoria to help you to give you the information and go one step at a time. Don't try to take all of this information and just go. Look at what we've discussed. Start putting a plan in action and just know that you can ask for help. And that's exactly why you're doing what you're doing, Victoria. So that's where I would like to end this conversation is please give out all your information. I will make sure all of this is on the show notes at jilldevine.com, but women need you and they need to get a hold of you and they need to rely on you. So how do they do that? I completely agree. Don't tackle things on your own. Um, We are a big proponent for personalized approaches too. Um, And so anyone can find me at my website, which is vn-nutrition.com. You can also follow me either on Instagram or on Facebook. And my handle for both of those is flow, F-L-O dot fertility nutrition. Um, And so I provide a lot of content on both of those platforms. Um, But if you would like one-on-one support, then my website would be the best place to go so that we can discuss a game plan um, that is personalized to you. Thank you so much. And thank you for what you're doing to help women feel a little bit more confident about this journey, whether it is their infertility situation or whether it is through PMS or whether it is having their period for the very first time at whatever age. This is so awesome and we need more people like you. So thank you, Victoria. Thank you for having me. As we wrap up this week's conversation, I would like to remind you to check out Elemental Aesthetics online elementalesthetics.com. They have two membership options for you right now. The Elemental Essential, which is $99 a month. The Elemental Elite, which is $199 a month. And these membership options really make sure that you are taking care of yourself, like you are prioritizing yourself. Each membership option has different service options for you to choose from, but both include the Salt Room or the Infrared Sauna, which both are amazing and have so many amazing benefits for you. So whether you're going into elemental aesthetics to relax and be pampered, or you just need a little bit of help with your face, you have some clogged pores like me, or you have some sun damage and you just are feeling a little self-conscious about it, elemental aesthetics will help you. There is nothing wrong with prioritizing yourself and you can do so 
with Elemental Aesthetics at elementalaesthetics.com. Oh, and when you book your appointment with Elemental Aesthetics, make sure you mention my name because when you do that, being a listener of Two Kids in a Career, you're going to get a free goodie bag from Elemental Aesthetics. And I would like to thank you for your support of this podcast. You can subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you're listening to this. Doing so will help get this podcast in the hands of others. And also, you can follow along at jilldevine.com. Also, on all the social media outlets, I would love to hear from you. As always, thank you. 